Welcome to Folklore Friday. A werewolf can be killed only with a silver bullet. Because I'm the chosen one and there are vampires? You are the boy who lived. You made us what we are, didn't you? You in danger, girl. Magic. Witches aren't real. Once the world was full of wonders, but it belongs to humans now. I myself am strange and unusual. someone come up with the notion that cats have nine lives. Historians say the Egyptians revered the number nine because they associated it with their sun god, Atman Ra. According to one version, Ra gave birth to eight other gods. Ra usually took the form of the body of a man and head of a falcon. He also took various other forms, including a cat and the body of a man with the head of a lion. One theory is, since Ra took the form of a cat and a lion, people began associating the nine lives, Ra plus eight, with feline longevity. Whether you believe this theory is up to you. But other cultures have credited cats with having multiple lives as well. In China, for example, it is believed that they also have nine lives. Others, however, are less generous. Italy, Germany, Greece, Brazil, and some Spanish-speaking regions apparently grant cats seven lives, while according to Turkish and Arabic traditions, they get six. In English lore, it has been nine for centuries. But gods aside, there's a more universal and down-to-earth logic behind how the multiple lives idea came to be. Cats have what is called a riding reflex, which is the ability to twist around quickly in midair if they fall or are dropped from a high place so that they land on their feet. People undoubtedly noticed that they survived situations that would have killed or severely injured other animals. Because of this uncanny ability to walk away from disaster, the English came up with the proverb, a cat has nine lives. For three he plays, for three he strays, and for the last three he stays. In other words, A cat's hardy nature allows it to survive to a ripe old age, lying in the sun after its early years of chasing mice and roaming. So, which is it? 
Are cats descendants of the Egyptian god Atmen-Ra? Or is it just a biological design we can attribute for cats surviving situations that other animals would not? Tell me, what do you think? enjoyed this segment of Everyday Folklore, please check out my YouTube channel where I do a video version of why we believe cats have nine lives. Included in the video are illustrations of Atman Ra and Bastit and some of the other legends. Hello again, Strangelings. Welcome to Folklore Friday. And for today's episode, I am joined by my friend, Holly. Hello again. And right now I'm actually visiting her. She lives in Spokane, Washington. I live in Bellingham, Washington. And it's been pretty eventful, wouldn't you say? (laughs) Well, first off, it took us a while to move out here. We just moved out here. We used to live in Bellingham, so this was a lot easier to do. Um, And then, you know, COVID. So we have another lockdown coming down. And so yesterday. Yeah. yeah. Yesterday. Right? Yep. Oh, the governor yeah. announced it. So, you know, Megs is living with me now. <laughs> well, and then what day did Andrew get the news about his coworker? Oh, Friday. Today's he got Monday. sent home early on Friday because mm-hmm. one of his coworkers that he shares an office with uh, called in with COVID. So he is quarantined. We are keeping we locked him in the bedroom. It's totally fine. <laughs> he felt so bad. Holly and I were driving back to their place and Andrew called her. And she put him on speaker and he was like, so <laughs> like, he felt he's like, I feel so bad. <laughs> we have company. <laughs> well, and the fact so one, like he was working in Amazon and they would have like an announced COVID case like every other day. And he never ended up working with anybody who had it like he was never close to it. And so he never got sent home. He never had to go get tests, you know, all that good stuff. And I work at Michael's, the craft store. And so I don't know if I can say that. I have to cut that out. It's uh, fine. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah. And so I'm constantly around people. I'm constantly dealing with customers coming in and out of the store. Lots of people who could possibly have COVID and We've never, I've never been around a case. Like there's never been any reason for either of us to ever get tested. But as soon as you come out to visit. (laughs) He felt so bad. You guys both felt bad. Oh, we did. (laughs) So he's been wearing a mask the whole time. They're going to get tested. I was going to get tested with them, but like the soonest opening is Thursday. And I don't want to go home. (laughs) So I called Chris and he's like, yeah, I mean, you may as well just come home. So, and It was one of those things I was like, I took the risk in coming out. And so like I was fine with it. I can't really super avoid it. And so it's just just one of those things. Okay, so earlier I didn't tell you this, Holly. So I I dyed my hair. She knows this. And I have streaks of like fire, like engine red. So like crimson red. And for the first few washes, when you wash your hair, it's just like comes out. And so I was avoiding washing my hair (laughs) when I was here. 
Um, but I put way too much dry shampoo, so it was so itchy. I don't know if you've ever done that, listeners <laughs> that have dry shampoo, but it like sucks all the moisture out of your head and it's super itchy. And I was like, I can't. And so this morning I like washed my hair and I was like, you got a sponge in there. I was like cleaning, <laughs> like as I'm like washing my hair. And it's good that it wasn't the first wash because the first wash looked like I massacred like the Kool-Aid man. It was just like <laughs> red and pink, like everywhere. <laughs> and I was like, Oh no! But it seemed to like wash away. But then I didn't step out of the shower because you have these like perfect white. I know. Like bath mats, and I was like, "Nope." <laughs> so <laughs> grabbed the nearest darkest towel that was next to me, <laughs> dried off in the shower, wrapped my hair up real quick. I wish you had told me. I actually have a dark gray mat that I swap out whenever I've dyed my hair and stuff like that so yeah. that I won't get the white one dirty. And I so it's like this dark gray so that it, if anything gets on it, it's totally fine. It's like my trash, you know, yeah, mat. Yeah, yeah. And if I'd known, I would have grabbed that for you so you wouldn't have had to worry. It was kind of impulsive. I just like woke up like scratching my head and I was like, I can't wait. <laughs> I just did it. <laughs> But it was okay. And you're, it's crazy that this apartment's pretty new, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. it looks, everything looks new. Your shower looks great. Our shower looks like crap and we own it, which sucks, but we bought it that way. And it's kind of hard to, like, in a condominium to replace a whole shower. So it's trash. And then when I got in your shower, I was like, oh man, like, <laughs> it's just too nice to ruin. But it all worked out. <laughs> Yeah, they put in a decent amount of new amenities and the the people before us, I guess, took were all like they took really good care of the place. Like I've had places where after I left, I had a friend who was working in the apartment complex. She actually told me she was like, we miss you after you moved out. Somebody else moved in. And when they moved out, apparently it looked like somebody had just taken a bat to the walls and there were holes in the walls that they had to patch up after us. And so luckily this this place is only it's 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 really nice. They have a lot of really great people here. And so yeah, it's it's, cute. It's real nice. I love it. I'm really happy that we were able to find this place. Yeah, it's not cute. I definitely did not want to move from Bellingham. I've lived there my entire life. So this is probably the hardest thing I've had to do in my life. One of the hardest. Like relocate. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now it's hard uprooting like that. Man, I'm like the opposite. Like I've been trying to get out of Bellingham. <laughs> I'm like, I want to leave. <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> yeah. It's been a lot of really great opportunities out here. So I'm grateful. That's but, good. Yeah. And now for the review of A Discovery of Witches. Once the world was full of wonders, but it belongs to humans now. We have all but disappeared. Demons, vampires, and witches hiding in plain sight. Professor Claremont, your vampire. You're a witch. To determine what's happening to us, we have to understand our beginnings. The book. I've been looking for it for over a century. If we witches have the book of spells, it could change everything. You need to be careful. Is that a threat? No. It's a warning. It's not about the book, is it? It's about her. Forbids interspecies relationships. Are you seriously considering endangering our? 
our family. For which, if you do, it'll be war. I don't get to choose who I love. If we were allowed to come together, there'd be fewer problems. Can't you see the danger you're in? Okay, so today's episode, we're going to talk about the show, A Discovery of Witches, and (laughs) I made up for making Holly watch Nancy Drew. So I was like, no, I promise you'll like this show. I promise. If you didn't tune in, um, we did a review on Nancy Drew. And I was like, Holly, you'll love it. <laughs> She's like super freaked out. Megan forgot how much of a chicken I truly am. <laughs> it was so funny. I was like, oh, it's like super minimal. It's a few jump scares, but you'll be fine. And she was just like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> the entire time. I was like, this is made by the CW. Like, <laughs> it's not that bad. But yeah, it freaked her out. So I was like, just give this show a chance. And then I told her the the premise and she's, and she's like, okay. But mind you, I have it on Shudder, which is basically like <gasps> horror movies. And so we logged. You know, it's like you type in D for discovery and it's like devil's lair and all these like <laughs> bloody things. And she's like, ah, like... <laughs> I've never tried typing so fast in my entire life. It's not like she has a keyboard. She has her little like Game Boy controller. So it's like click, 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 click. So that was pretty good. It was entertaining for me, but I was like, just don't look at the left, the right side of the screen. Pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. And it got to the point where you weren't even looking like it had already popped up and you were still typing out the whole word. And I was like, it's it's right there. (laughs) I wouldn't look at it until I knew there would be nothing else showing on the (laughs) screen. Yeah, it was pretty good. So I guess you can get rid of Shutter. Well, I know you should keep it for season two. Mm. I use my login. But yeah, I don't have a Shutter code yet. You know, the fancy podcasters that have more viewers. I'm like, you can use my code. I'm not there yet. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I want to be A Discovery of Witches is a British fantasy television series based on the All Souls trilogy by Deborah Harkness named after the first book in the trilogy and I have read so I've read the trilogy amazing (laughs) and when I say read who am I kidding I don't read I listen to audiobooks I only read for research and to look at reviews Um, so I've read it Holly hasn't so we get this you know, two different types of perspectives and the argument like, well, I didn't read the books. I didn't know what was going on. Holly can speak for that. So that's mm-hmm. good. So the premise is Diana Bishop, a historian and reluctant witch, unexpectedly discovers a bewitched manuscript in Oxford's Bodleian Library. The discovery forces her back into the world of magic in order to unravel the secrets it holds about magical beings. 
She is offered help by a mysterious geneticist and vampire, Matthew Claremont. Despite a long-held mistrust between witches and vampires, they form an alliance and set out to protect the book and solve the mysteries within while dodging threats from the creature world. And what it doesn't say there is also falling in love. So, <laughs> booyah. Okay. Before we get into um, me ripping apart some reviews that I highly disagree with, <laughs> what did you think of the show, Holly? I really liked it, actually, which was fun. Um, I didn't, didn't freak you out. Was no Nancy Drew. <laughs> it was no Nancy Drew. Um, they actually did really well at... Well, to me, they did really well at making you understand what was happening without having to show you all the blood and gore, all the, you know, the jump scares. It was just I thought it was really well done, very beautifully done. So you said there was minimal jump scares because there were there were some points of violence when Matthew and other vampires fight or bite or whatnot. But what did you think of how they showed that? This is probably going to sound weird, but it made sense to me because they did it in more of an animalistic way. So it's kind of like, which makes sense because, you know, vampire fighting vampire, animalistic instincts kick in. Um, But to me, it was kind of like if I were watching a discovery show where two lions are facing off and you've got that tension right before the attack. And I feel like they did really well with that. Like they did really well with lead up. And so it was it had that great buildup of tension. And then as soon as the fight happened, it was just that peak, that amazing peak of just who's going to get this, who's going to win. Like, I just thought it was really well done. Yeah. I'm realizing Holly and I are sitting like across from each other. So there's like a lot of like unbroken eye contact. So (laughs) I never look away. It's just because usually we sit next to each other on the couch or something. And I'm like, just <laughs> so if I look away, it's not because I'm not interested. It's just like no worries. Every <laughs> once in a while, I look out the window. Yeah, just to totally like because it is. It's like a lot of eye contact. To like break it up a bit. <laughs> um, I told yeah, no, I totally agree. And okay, part of the reason I asked you is because I know you like minimal violence in mm-hmm. a show, and I I completely agree. The way they did it was so good. Um, there's a moment where. And obviously with like all my reviews, spoilers, the whole thing is spoilers. So get over it. I can't review something unless I talk about (laughs) what happens. Um, There's a part where Matthew's son that he sired kind of walks up to Diana to smell her, to smell her blood. Not not in a threatening way. He's just he's a geneticist. And so he's interested. And And they he can smell whether she's A, A, B or B. Right. So that's what he's smelling for. Yeah. Sorry. (laughs) <laughs> no, you're you're totally right. So the moment he walks up, Matthew stands up and it's very it's 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 an exchange that would most likely happen in like an animal pack. Mm-hmm. And you could tell what he was doing. He was like, what's what's up, Marcus? You you getting close to this person I'm protective of? And that was really cool. And there was all these subtleties in how Matthew would res- respond and react Okay, let's talk about the kiss. Um, Okay, well, first off, actually, first off, I want to say the fact that Diana is a witch and Matthew is a vampire, there's this different setup than I've seen in practically every vampire story. All the popular ones. Okay, so Twilight, um, Interview with a Vampire, which is kind of like minimal love story, but it's always human and a vampire, and eventually at some point, the human gets changed and so they're equally matched but there's a gap where there's a human and vampire twilight 
Vampire Diaries. I haven't seen True Blood because I don't buy HBO, so I can't really speak to that. But um, even in like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, she's the vampire slayer. So she's got a little bit of an edge, but she's still a human. So she's completely vulnerable. And it's and it's usually the woman, the female that is the human. And so there's this level of predator and and prey. And what do you think about that? I so I have a lot of opinions on that, uh-huh. um, especially when it comes to Twilight. Um, but as far as <laughs> this goes, um, I actually really loved because you're right. Like a lot of times when you see any kind of story where there is a beast and a human getting together, it's always that it's mm-hmm. never like a beast and another beast. I mean, there are obviously cases, but for the most part, most stories along the creature line, it's usually a human falling in love with some other creature. Right. Um, and like you said, eventually they get turned or the other, you know, somehow it, they eventually level out that playing field, but it's that they become the prey same and thing. predator, that, yeah. that prey and predator mm-hmm. for the first little while. Right. And here there is none of that. Uh-huh. Like she could kick his trash any day of the week. Exactly. <laughs> like there's still a level of that, but they're equally matched in that she is a powerful witch and she's she's able to defend herself. But something that you learn, like in the description, she's a reluctant witch. And so that means she's kind of she's avoided witchcraft. And now she's at this point where like her power is just kind of like bursting out of her and she doesn't actually know how to use it which is great because it kind of like unleashes and people get hurt, but it's always like when people are coming after her, it's like, yeah. And which wind, which fire or whatever is super cool. But so there's this level of restraint for each character. Matthew doesn't want to, you know, eat her. And she asks him at one point, like, what would my blood taste like? And he's like, Whoa, you can just see this like reaction go off in his face. Like, you can't ask me that. I, I don't want to think like that. You don't understand how fast and how quick it would be. I could take you. And he grabs her really quickly. And he's like, that's that's how much time it would take for me to basically murder you. What would I taste like? Don't ever say that to me. I only ask to understand. It would take but a moment. You wouldn't be able to stop me if I struck, and I wouldn't be able to stop myself. I'm safe with you. And and there's like there's a moments where he says, like there's this great scene where he picks up her jacket after she's running and he smells it and he says, Move away from me slowly. <laughs> it's so good. He's like, but don't run. to how animals go if you see a predator 
like the mountain lion. If you've not seen the mountain lion clip on YouTube where a guy has this mountain lion stalk him for, for six miles, freaking watch it. I showed Andrew and Holly, scared him out, scared it's, him. It's, inc- it's terrifying. It's so to scary. Be, like he's literally being stalked. Like this mountain lion, like, oh, it, it's so it's scary. Like, but it's also a good way to show what you should do in that kind of a case. But exactly. So if he had ran, he would have been screwed. And experts have studied that and and shown this is exactly what you do. You move slowly. You don't run because it's just like, oh, I'm going to chase you. And like my dog, what a, my little beagle, whatever wolf instinct he has, it could be some, like it could be a leaf rolling around the ground. And he's like, is that a bunny? <laughs> like it just like it instigates something. <laughs> It does. It triggers their hunting skills. And Mm -hmm. once that's triggered, you can't untrigger it. Like as soon as something darts away from a predator or starts to run, they have to chase after it because that's when it's on. Like that is the chase and they're going to go after you and kill you if they can. Um, And so a lot of like you were saying, a lot of the times they'll tell you, you know, move slowly. And then what I thought was interesting was never turn your back. So, yeah, you have to be careful because a lot of times like a a predator basically will look for any weakness when hunting and as soon as they're in hunting mode that's all they're looking for is for a week for you to show them a weakness so that they can basically attack you at a good point which is what his mom said they Mm -hmm. go hunting because she's like oh you love my son you sure you want to be with a vampire let me show you how we hunt and she says when i'm hunting i don't remember like don't make any sudden movements she says don't come near me while i'm hunting i thought i'd take you hunting Have you ever seen a vampire hunt? It's not as romantic as humans believe. It's relentless and it's brutal. Do not come anywhere near me when I'm hunting. Do you understand? Yes. If the animal scent gets confused with yours, I can't promise I won't attack you instead. Right. Yeah. And so and then, you know, then you see this like prim and proper, lovely looking woman just like 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 you see this fox that just has like its intestines ripped out. She's just like chomping on it. Um, Having a nice little lunch. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, the point is she was trying to teach her that this is it's not necessarily the same constraint that you would show for a human, but they're predators. And so. It's very cool. And I want to talk about their first kiss because we just watched a review and the whole time Holly and I were like, you're wrong. <laughs> like, you are so wrong. <laughs> and this girl was like, their kiss was so awkward. It was the most cringy kiss I've ever seen. And Holly and I were like, yeah, that's the point. <laughs> okay. So they have dinner and ugh, I could go into so much detail, but I won't. But it's, that's the conversation where Diana says, what would my blood taste like? And he's like, mm-mm. Don't ask me that and tells her how quick it is. And he's in the midst of explaining how he can smell when she's um, nervous, how he can smell her adrenaline, how the fact that she's a witch, like it sings to her. And he's trying to explain to her the danger that she's in by being with him. And she's like, oh, you'll never hurt me. And uh, and he he's man, Matthew Good, that actor, he's really good at having this like look on his face it's very great and while she says like oh you'll never hurt me she goes up to kiss him and he's just stone faced his eyes are open he doesn't move 
she like gets on her tippy toes to kiss him. And when she gets back down, he still hasn't moved. And it's it's awkward, but it was really poignant. And what did you think about that scene? I loved it because so you also have to understand like along. I love that they put in a sense of reality to it because mm-hmm. with a vampire, you have that animal instinct. And so for her to sit there and say, oh, you I know you love me, so I know you'll never hurt me. And it's like he knows Love has nothing to do with it. Uh-huh. Like he still has the capability to harm her whether he wants to or not. And so he has to keep a tight leash on himself in order to make sure that he doesn't hurt this person that he really cares about. And she being so new to this entire situation just doesn't have that understanding, that grasp of what he's capable as of yet. Yeah. And so, I mean, she at this point, she doesn't even know what she's capable of yet. True. And he does point that out. And he's like, you know, and it's it's this mentality of she is still learning what he's already learned and Mm -hmm. so she which is understandable and you can understand why she would want to kiss him and why she would believe that he would never hurt her but from his point of view it's also very understandable that that would be a terrifying moment because you could hurt her not only hurt her but you could kill her in a second yeah and you find out later in the season that he has been with two human women and it didn't end well. doesn't mm-hmm. go into detail in the show, but they died. And mm-hmm. so it's it's very real to him. Granted, she's a witch and she says, you can never hurt me. I won't let you. I'm too powerful. But at the same time, he's very scared because he cared about these women a lot. And he and the, like in the way it happened was I don't, know, I don't need to get into it he wasn't just like oh, I'm hungry like <laughs> yeah. it was like hunting one was a hunting situation and one was he was fighting with his brother Baldwin like like a vampire so you know fangs out and she tried to break them up and he just That's... attacked her and so it wasn't necessary it wasn't him you, it was like a completely predatorial thing that happened and but so but he's scared of it and oh man, I thought no. that kiss was freaking brilliant. Anyways, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I'm assuming that the, because I didn't really know about the fight with the brother. I didn't know about how they died. I just got, like Megan said at the beginning, I haven't read the, the novels. I haven't read the books. Um, she has. I So my understanding is literally just of what the show showed. And I really appreciated that they gave me enough information. Like I didn't need to know that, right. they, that he was fighting with his brothers or mm-hmm. that it was a hunting accident. I could already tell in the way he played his line. He says, you know, I promised them. I loved them. And I promised them that I would never hurt them and then I did yeah. and you can see the hurt and pain like just the remorse in mm-hmm. himself and he's a creature that will not easily die like he's gonna live he's lived for thousands of years and he'll probably live yeah. for thousands more and he has to live with that for all those years like that yeah. will never go away and so for and I felt that the actor really just portrayed that really Ugh. well and I he was like able hurt. to grasp that yeah no like he this is literally he really just does not want to hurt you but he knows that even without wanting to it is still a possibility yeah and so to make so it was just so well done and i love that the kiss was awkward because there's so much like romanticism involved when it's a vampire and you forget the okay not you forget but in my opinion the reason supernatural type stories are so applicable and so popular, even though we have the medical and modern understanding to know they ain't real. Um, <laughs> what makes this appealing is to 
think of this idea of someone with human emotions, but supernatural abilities. So anytime you feel rage or anger or hurt or jealousy, as humans, we have to learn to control those feelings. And to so to see something that is completely exaggerated, it's a way to analyze how no matter who you are, no matter where you're from, you have to learn restraint and how to deal with your crap, basically. And so when you see characters like this, they're really, what is the word, relatable, because they're these things that you have to learn how to control in our regular lives. So you don't, you, anytime you're with someone, it's a risk. You don't want to hurt them. You don't want to get hurt yourself. But then you add these storylines and it becomes more exciting and more interesting because even though they're supernatural creatures, they're dealing with human emotions. Mm hmm. If you hurt hard, you'll never forgive yourself. And I couldn't bear it. Don't go back to Oxford until you're sure you can control yourself around inhibition. And I love, I love that kiss. It was so awkward and it was perfect. It needed to be awkward is what it is. Like, mm -hmm. yes, it was awkward. And I can understand why people would not like that, because especially if you're somebody who watches a show for the romance, like that <laughs> would be a really bad first kiss if you're just in it for the romance. I the reason one of the reasons Megan got me to watch this after the whole Nancy Drew thing um, was because <laughs> she talked about how not only is she a historian, but because Matthew has the main actor, he is he has been alive for all these years. He's met a lot of the people that mm -hmm. she has been studying. So I don't know if I mentioned this last time. I love history. I love it. I love books. I love knowing history and not just us as an Amer me as an American, me as a Canadian. I love all history. Like I find Asian history fascinating. I love listening to Megan's podcast because she oh, gives me all you. kinds of information on like, especially like the different types of ghosts and the different mm -hmm. ghosts from different areas in the world. And so I absolutely love it. I just like, that's my thing. And so that's the key points that Megan hit was, oh, she's a historian. And they talk about these old, you know, these you know, these people who lived thousands of years ago, hundreds of years ago that made just these amazing discoveries. And he was friends with them. And she is studying. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh, if I, I know, could meet right? somebody, that would be my dream. If I could meet somebody who was friends with like Lincoln or just oh, so many people, I have a long list. I would be tickled pink and you could not pull me away from that person. I know. Right? Like, okay. I would want to talk to them about everything. This is exactly what I feel like people miss the mark when it comes to a vampire story, especially like a vampire love story. Because even with Twilight, he talked like a little bit about his background and how long he lived, but not a lot. And it's just something that's it's missing. And I think it's brilliant and it's completely untapped territory because he's been alive since like 530 something. And in the OK, in the book and she starts and which they show really great in the show, but they have so many conversations that they don't really fit into the show, which is fine where she's hounding him about history and they show it in the show. Like, did you know Machiavelli? Like, did how old are you? I'm older than I look. 300 years. Mm. 500 years. Did you know Machiavelli? <laughs> Survive the fall of Carthage. Which fall of Carthage? AIDS and she's asking all these questions and I'm going to borrow Holly's phrase I'm not going to lie I felt a little stupid <laughs> watching or, or reading the book because I was like and I was like 
who is Machiavelli? And um, I had to look up things, but it was very interesting. They have a lot of conversations and she's more so studying these eras that he's lived through. And so by the time that they like kiss, I was like, where did that come from? Because <laughs> it was so cerebral. Their conversations, they were so intelligent rather than, oh, how mystical. You're just this this vampire and you you care about me even though you feed on on blood but you don't want to eat me you know and i feel like that's how a lot of like the genesis of a lot of vampire romances start out but mm, oh boy this is like so freaking good because it's something that is so much more interesting to to listen to and to see and some of the critics were like oh there was a lot of dialogue in the beginning i'm like yeah but were you listening to what they were saying (laughs) it was so interesting he knew shakespeare he knew charles darwin and it's just so freaking good oh Oh, yeah that part was legit it was it was amazing Okay, and I got to talk about the cinematography. They film at Oxford. They go to France. It's gorgeous. They must have had an amazing production value, but you can have good locations and still not shoot them well. And they that was not the case. It was shot beautifully. It felt like I was going on vacation. (laughs) It really was amazing. And I do love that, especially when you've got that many locations that you have to go into. It is kind of like I feel like it's hard to make it look beautiful in every single location, making mm-hmm. sure that you've just got those perfect shots. And this group just did a spot on fantastic job with that. Uh, they just I mean, the, not only just with the scenery, like you were saying, like you can have a beautiful scenery and still have bad shots. Uh huh. Yeah. They knew what they were doing with their angles. Everybody that was a part of this this show episodes absolutely amazing you could tell they absolutely knew what they were doing and i feel like i'm saying absolutely too much but that's the only word i can think of it's so amazing (laughs) yeah it was it was really it was it was seamless Mm -hmm. and which was good because sometimes you're you know if if there's a production and they're in different locations it can feel like you're watching a different show but it had the same feel it had like similar Mm -hmm. lighting it was it was it was really really good okay now i want to talk a little bit about how their relationship is kind of a bad thing. So we talked about the the premise of the show. She finds this book. She's the only one that's been able to bring up this book, bring up a book, meaning you ask the light, you know, the Bodleian library. Mm, I'd like to read Ashmole 782, which is from an alchemist from like 1700s or something like that. And people have requested it like over the years and it just, they're like, Oh, it's missing. We don't have it, but they think that there's some level of magic because she's the only one that's able to actually get the book and look at the book. And we don't know exactly for certain at this point in the story, but we know that it probably has answers to how, vampires and witches how how they work their their genetics and things and so the creatures in the show it's vampires demons and and witches and we find out from matthew that he's been so he's a geneticist he's been studying blood of demons vampires and and their magic level and their indicators in their blood whatever i don't know i don't know how that works they're diminishing so witches powers are growing less and less and and vampires aren't able to sire another vampire which we see a scene of that his son tries to sire someone turn them because they're dying and and it doesn't work and they just die instead and it's 
it's horrible because you think about it, that's their only way to reproduce. They don't have, you know, they don't have children. This is their way of having children and it's taken away from it. He doesn't have it. So they're dwindling and it's, it's a species that's, that's dwindling. So this book has all these answers. And so everybody's after her and Matthew's the only one that says, I'm worried about you because I don't think you understand that this book has a lot of power and people are going to, and she's like, Oh, well you're a vampire. I don't know who you are. And she, he says something like, you're going to be in danger. And she says, is that a threat? And he goes, no, it's a warning. And no one has seen that book for a very long time. It's not just me who wants it. Word is spreading. It might be safer for you if the creatures of Oxford knew that it was no longer in your possession. Is that a threat? No. It's a warning. You need to be careful. He's the only one that's kind of tried to protect her during all of this and so you know that starts their whole kinship and hanging out and friendship and all the witches are like super against her and they basically want to uncreate vampires so genocide if we created them then we could uncreate them i won't have any part of that I also want to put in when he says that, when she's like, are you threatening me? And he's like, no. And his facial expressions almost look hurt. Like he's almost offended that she would think that he would threaten her, Mm -hmm. which for the whole scenario, because in the very beginning, you know, you've got this vibe of witches just hate vampires. You know, they've, you know, vampires have killed witches for who knows how long. And the vampires hate witches because witches have killed vampires for Mm -hmm. who knows how long. And so there's this very much just discrimination, a lot of just hatred between the two uh, species. And so for her to be questioning it, it makes sense because she's grown up with her witch aunts and and she's only, you know, she hasn't even participated in that. Mm -hmm. And so she has very minimal knowledge of other species. And what that is, is that, you know, vampires are bad. And so it's it's very natural for her to ask that question, but it just really brings to light how much knowledge Matthew has and how long he's lived because he has that understanding of I am not threatening you like I want to help right. you and yeah. showing that what pe- what you have been taught isn't necessarily correct. Mm-hmm. And then I love when she's he's having been studying, which is it like he's. But trying to help all of the the creatures. Yeah, he's not discriminating. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of a lot of the people who are after the book want it for their species. Like a lot of the right. demons that are following her want it so that they can help the demon race. A lot mm. of the witches, oh, we just want to strengthen the witch race. We want to become vampires. and kill vampires. Yikes. And then even some of the vampires that are after her, they're they're just up for they want to be able to take over. Mm-hmm. They want to be in control. And he is and Matthew is not like that. He is he wants to help all the races. He wants everybody to have equality and which is why he's just this amazing character for everything. So attractive. And then when she I love the point when Diana is talking to his mother and, you know, the mother is very standoffish with Diana because her husband was killed by witches. Mm -hmm. But Diana has also grown up knowing that Matthew's mom specifically has been a murderer of witches, mm-hmm. like has killed many, many witches. And so I love the line where she goes, There's good and evil in every species. And I'm a witch who's willing to make up my own mind despite the stories I've heard about you. 
Yeah. And I love that. I love that that shows that even though she has been taught something all her life, she's willing to give somebody a chance no matter what, just because she feels this person deserves a chance. Yeah. And I love that. It's, you know, that, that, like, cause I know what was in the book and, you know, like what wasn't shown in the show. And I think that they did a really good job of including the most poignant parts. And that conversation was the one to show. That was the conversation to include between Isabeau and Diana, where you have this understanding that she already knows about her. And so she's like, Hey, I'm meeting you halfway. I'm vulnerable here as well. I'm in your home. You right. could murder me. <laughs> Murdered. I showed Holly some stand up and it was great. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that was the conversation to include because I'm, I'm assuming it gave you what you needed to understand between those two to characters what was going on. Yeah, to understand the conflict that's going on, not just between them, but between the two races mm-hmm. and to also see the amount of growth that could possibly be there. The fact that they're both willing to take a step back and actually listen to what the other person has to say before they make a full blown judgment. Like they, they've kind of already have a little bit of a judgment in their mind from what they've, they've dealt with and what she's grown up with, but they're willing to kind of just put that on the back burner and be like, this is right now, this is equal ground. Mm hmm the two actresses did a really good job of having that, that little bit of tension between Mm -hmm. them while attempting to be civil to each other. Yeah. And I just really loved, I really loved all the It's so freaking good. It's so so good. And okay. I don't know if this is a sidestep, but I would like, so I was listening to one of the, what is it called? It was a review. Oh, I don't know what her name is, but I didn't like her at all. There's some YouTuber that reviews stuff and, we disagreed with everything she had to say. <laughs> and there was, yeah, and there was a part in which, and I can, I can, as, as somebody who has watched a lot of like demon vampire, you know, those ridiculous romancy shows, I can understand like when you think of demon, you think monster, like they're not going to look normal. They're going to have some kind of different look. To, like I don't want to say, def- yeah, yeah, anomaly. I don't want to say a deformity because it's not a deformity. It's just yeah, yeah, like yeah. pointed ears, maybe some horns, like a demon mm-hmm. always just has something that shows that they're a demon. In this one, they look like humans. Yeah. And the the podcaster was like YouTuber. Bless, YouTuber. <laughs> bless her okay. heart. I know you can tell I'm so knowledgeable in this situation. <laughs> Holly's like, do I need to put makeup on? And I was like, you asked me this last night. It's it's audio. So no makeup. <laughs> yeah, you guys aren't seeing my face. It's totally so fine. I was like, no. No. <laughs> but she does she talks about how she didn't like that the demons in this movie or the show don't they they all look human. Everybody mm-hmm. looks human. And that bothered me <laughs> because at the beginning of ev- almost every episode, every, it's not no, every, every episode, there's I, a voiceover. Where I felt he like says, there was, that the last one oh, or maybe, the last yeah, two, but yeah, pretty one. much like every episode, there is a voiceover saying how, you know, the witches, the vampires and the demons are a dying race and that they're hiding in plain sight. We creatures have all but disappeared. Demons, vampires and witches hiding in plain sight, fearful of discovery, ill at ease even with each other. Now, if you're hiding in plain sight, you're not just going to be showing your horns or Uh your wings or your tails. You're going to look human. You're going to do what it takes 
to blend and hide so that, you know, humans aren't freaking out and killing you, you know, and other races aren't, you know, coming after you. And so you're doing your best to look normal, Mm -hmm. to blend in. And so that is like, I can understand why it would bother her having that, you know, kind of, um, I feel like for lack of a better word, kind of an Americanized version of demons Mm -hmm. in her mind. Mm -hmm. Um, But for me, I'm like, no, that, that made perfect sense to me that they would, because like I said, with every episode, it was that (laughs) knowledge, that intro of telling you that they are hiding in plain sight that they are blending in but and the so to point me, is that they don't stand out exactly right? and so to me it would have been really weird if they did mm-hmm. if they had been walking around with their horns and tail hanging out like that would be really weird to me because i'm like you're no longer hiding and that's that's what it says that you're doing yeah <laughs> so no, it's it's so true. She also compared them to Twilight, and I was like, wrong, not even close at all. I feel when I when I pitched this to Holly, I said this is a story, a love story. I feel like that's made for adults, not as in Triple X, but it's it's an adult relationship. It's healthy. They are completely aware of the danger that they're in. They communicate a lot. Mm-hmm. There's like discussions of consent as far as uh, like him taking blood from her how he's like i don't want to do that and she's like i'm okay with it like there's like and there's discussions of it and even just to test it like not just like oh can i drink your blood it's Uh literally like there he's he's a neuroscientist neuroscientist uh that's the brain a geneticist geneticist genetics and so Mm -hmm. he he wants to draw some blood so that they can run tests and look at her genetics and see you know what aspects she has what gene cells that she has how far back it goes Mm -hmm. and even looking into her genealogy which is also part of the story and amazing but yeah and so even with that he is very cautious and even at one point the one of the vampires that works in his lab with him says i need I need to test on her more. And he says, no, she's been through a lot already. Just leave her alone. And she's like, but how else are we going to learn? Like, she's the strongest witch that we've ever had an opportunity to test on. And he says, fine, I'll ask her. And so even at that point, it's still not just a, okay, you know, here she is lying unconscious because, you know, she just got beat up. You go ahead and draw some blood. He's like, no, I will ask her if she says it's okay then we will move forward. Yeah. And I love that because also in reality, people can't just draw your blood. No, they can't. Like, it's, it's, you can't. Yeah. They have like, you have, they ha- you have to give your consent unless it's an emergency situation. And, and even then there's and protocol. even then there's protocol. Like you still have to follow certain rules. Mm-hmm. And so I think that was something that I really did love about this because it really does bring a great sense of reality into it. And I love when, when shows do that because yeah. it makes it a little more believable. I'm not having to like reach for the stars and jump from moon to star with them. Uh-huh. I I can follow along. And it was speaking of like when they take her blood, you know, she does consent earlier to them testing her blood and his, you know, his lab assistant, Miriam is going to do it and he goes, if any vampire is going to take her blood, it's going to be me. He's super protective of her, even though they've been doing this for God knows how long. They've tested other creatures. They're very comfortable around blood. Marcus is a doctor. Like, they know what they're doing. And he's like, nah, she's like, I'm just, I'm just going to, I'm going to take care of her. Okay. There's this other level of danger where there is this agreement between the tri-species, vampires, demons, and witches, that they made, like, hundreds of years ago that 
there will be no interspecies relationships. There's a group, it's called the congregation. There's representatives from each species and a covenant or an agreement that was made years ago that there won't be mixing between the species because the worry is that those offspring would be like supercharged and more powerful. So, yeah, and could give an edge to a different, to a a specific species, like whether it be the vampires, the witches or the demons, it could give them an upper hand. And that's what they're trying to avoid is they're trying to make it so that the board is straight across all of it. Right, that there's not like an imbalance of powers. The covenant was drawn up. What happens when creatures break it? To my knowledge, it never has been broken. So the fact that they're getting together is pretty dangerous. And people are after him. She gets kidnapped at one point and tortured magically. And that's messed up. Something else I thought, because you pointed it out, Holly. So after she gets tortured, she, you know, they, oh gosh, first I got to talk about this. Oh my gosh, I almost forgot about this. Okay, so she's lying in this, like, it looks like a well. And they know kind of where like the location of where she probably is, but they don't. So they're looking around this, like, you know, this castle that's in shambles and she's in this hole and she's super just like beat up. And this story that her parents would tell her, cause her mom had the gift of prophecy. I know we're getting into it, but it's awesome. And her mom could see these certain situations and told her the story to prepare. Diana was locked in the dark room all alone. A witch trapped me inside. She wondered how she would ever get out. But then, she heard a knocking at the door. It was the prince. He used all of his strength to open the locked door. But he still couldn't get to her. And she's like, uh, okay, because he can't go down there. He'll just get stuck. Like, although he's a vampire, he can't climb up a well. And so she's never flown before. So she's all beat up and bruised. And she has to fly up to him for him to get her out of the well. And what's great about that is, yes, he's there to rescue her, but he's not the, she still has to save herself in a way. And as a woman, it's just, it was very important empowering to see because she still had a task to do. She couldn't say, oh, he saved me. He didn't do it alone. She actually had to find some kind of inner strength within her while she's all bloody and broken to find this new magical skill that she had never had before in order to like fly up this well slowly and carefully so that he could gently, you know, take her out. And I freaking loved that i loved mm-hmm. it so much what did you think of that part i everything about it was, i thought was amazing <laughs> so oh my gosh there's like so many things that, there's so, so many things good. i could pick yeah. out of there like just so many things so in the story i loved that as she's telling the story and as she's talking to her you know to diana her daughter the mom she's also asking her what are you gonna do like, oh, that's true. So mm-hmm. she gives her first. She gives her the scenario. She's like, you, you know, the princess is in a dark hole or cavern, and the only and she, you know, she wakes up and she looks around, and it's just this black room, and there's no escape. Diana spied a hole in the roof, just big enough for her to squeeze through. So she called up to him. Fly down and lift me out. Prince couldn't fly, so Diana had to help herself. 
And she's like, now what? That's and true. Yeah, that's how like, she coaches her. I need to fly to him. I can't get down to you, Diana. And so that it kind of it's not just a matter of showing that she needs to help herself. It's also a great way to show, you know, sometimes you have to make your own decisions like you right. can be guided, but you you have to make your own decisions. And then, yeah, the same thing where she finally like, OK, I also loved when she first wakes up and is remembers that she's been dropped down this hole is in uh-huh. mass amounts of pain and is just like terrified. Um, she tries to fly up. Yeah, and she and can't she drops do it. Back down. Ugh. Yeah, and she just nothing happens. And then she, I believe it's her dad's voice that she hears about how it's it's magic comes from the heart, not the right. head, which is something that they taught her. So mm-hmm. I loved that they made it so that you understand that when she's first trying to fly out of there, she's just trying to get herself to fly. Right, like that's what she's focusing on is trying to get herself to fly. Well, when she actually flies, she's not focusing on whether or not she can fly. She's focusing on getting to Matthew. Yeah. And, and so I like, loved, that's where her power comes from. Exactly. I sweet. loved that concept. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah I, no, I loved I get that. everything about that scene. And then he does. He's at the top of the well reaching for her as she's flying up so that he can pull her out. And so I did love that it wasn't just the prince rescuing the princess right. or the princess being, you know, I don't need a man. I can do it on my own. It was this it teamwork was situation. Teamwork. Yeah. Exactly. And like, that's how I feel with my husband. Like, yep. and that's how I want, that's the ideal. Re- that's, that's, that's ideally what needs to be going on. And it just felt like a very modern perspective on it. And it was so, gosh, it was so well done. And, um, so after I like what you said about how her mom said, what are you going to do? Cause at a young age, her parents were kind of training her how to mm-hmm. think for herself. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I don't think we mentioned it. Her parents were m- killed by other witches. And that was kind of why she didn't want to be involved with mu- um, music magic because this horrible thing happened. Um, so after, after they, they rescue her, he takes her back to Sator, which is this castle that his mom lives in, you know, his like his home in France. And he's, they're helping her like clean her up and stuff. And, she she's like oh my back is tender and they cut you know her shirt so that you can see and what is it maria it's my insignia she's branded you did you want to see what she did to you yes show me let you know she's been through enough and holly's the one that pointed this line out he says she survived the doing of it. The sitting of it can't possibly be worse. Yeah. And she's just got massive, massive, like, bruises and all these scars on her back. And I think she branded mm-hmm. Diana with kind of his symbol, like his insignia, kind of like a crest. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it's just like further saying that, like, we're not okay with you being with this, this mm-hmm. other species. But, oh, man, it was so... It was just so poignant because even while she's all crumbled and stuff, he's like, I want you to 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 be fully aware of your situation, which is really respectful. And, you know, he's like, well, of course, it's done. It happened. Let her see what she's lived through. 
Yeah. And then she even says, oh, she said she was going to open me up. And as she's looking at herself in the mirror, like barely standing there, she's like, but she didn't. And it was just this very like empowering moment of like, mm-hmm. I made it. And like so- I beat you through. If she could get through the doing of it, she can see the aftermath. Yeah. And even then he, you know, he takes her up to the to the mirror and then he asks her, are you ready? He was still even knowing that she should see it like this is something that she should see that she made it through. He was still very respectful and making sure that she was ready, like not just, oh, here, take a look. Yeah, it was like every step of the way he like checked in with her. So it was on her timetable, not his timetable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that was really Which good. I also love I love that you brought up timetable mm-hmm. because, again, I love that they really brought into the fact that he acts like a person who has been alive uh-huh. for thousands of years. His timetable is so much different than hers. Hers is much shorter. Her understanding of time is much faster and quicker. His is not. Yeah. And so the fact that he's constantly checking in with her and making sure that, you know, that she's comfortable because he doesn't want to rush her or keep hold her back mm-hmm. in any way, shape or form. And I loved that they brought that in because in my mind, if you've got a vampire that has lived for centuries, that's how they're going to think. But we aren't going to go extinct tomorrow. There are still plenty of creatures in the world. I have a different sense of time to you. When humans talk about climate change, that's exactly the argument they use. Oh, the polar ice caps will take so many years to melt. Who cares? I remember when the Thames iced over every winter. I used to skate on it. And so I love that they brought that in because in my mind, that's how it should be. Like, no You're event. going to love the book. Right. So much. <laughs> I'm waiting for You're the season. So- I'm like, I want to finish the seasons and then read the books. It's I'm so like, good. Well, you, can, you just finished the first season. So you can read the first book. Okay. Okay. Which you probably will by the time the second season okay. comes around. You know, I probably it comes will. out in January. I was well, going to say, yeah. They talk a lot about that. And there's this great scene where Isabeau is like, I don't know in what book it is, but Isabeau's writing a letter and she writes handwritten letters. She has a wax seal. She takes her time. And there's a human that's getting ready to transition that's a character that you haven't met yet. And she's like, why don't you just write an email? <laughs> and she's like, you have to enjoy your time. And it's like, it's so <laughs> interesting and fun the way they describe it. And because there is so much to discuss about this amazing series, we couldn't fit it all into one episode. So I hope you join us next time for part two. And before you go, I want to thank you so much for listening. And if you could please rate and review, this is probably the first episode where I've actually asked to rate and review, (laughs) but it helps my numbers go up. And if my numbers go up, then maybe one day I'll get paid and then I can do this more and dive into these topics even more so. So please rate and review. Tell your friends if they're a little strangelings like you. And as always, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening, my little strangelings. I hope you join us next time. Scare you later.